and... This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It may be shocking but true, and that is that pornography is one of the biggest businesses around. It's a multi-billion dollar industry growing by leaps and bounds, and Christians are helping it to grow. That may come as shock, but it is absolutely true. When you find that somewhere around 60 to 70% of professing Christian men intentionally seek out pornography, when you discover that 30 to 34% of professing Christian women seek out pornographic material. And when you discover that somewhere around 30 to 34% of pastors admit to seeking pornography, you know we're in trouble. So then why is it that we think that our kids are the only ones that are in trouble? Maybe they're in trouble because we're in trouble. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about this pornographic world. We're going to be talking about how to tread boldly with our children throughout this horrible situation that we're facing. Did you know, my friends, that just yesterday I was informed there is a woman, a professing Christian woman, professing her faith boldly, that is openly on the Internet performing strip acts and claiming that over and over God has told her to do it. Mm. And you can imagine the following that she's getting. How is it that we can rationalize our ways into activities and a kind of voyeurism that is desecrating the very bodies and souls that God has ordained as his temple? How is it we can do that? But we are. And so today on Viewpoint, we want to see what we can do to get a grip on this issue. Our special guest today, Daniel Weiss, uh, he's written a book together with his uh, co-author, Joshua Glazer, Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World, talking particularly about uh, helping parents to guide their kids through one of the greatest threats of this age. Daniel, it's good to have you on the program. Well, thank you so much, Chuck. It's good to be here with you and talk about this really important issue. Well, it is. And uh, you live up there in Wisconsin, uh, the land of lakes. Uh, Is that, uh, do you also have pornography up there? We do. In fact, uh, going up to rural northern Wisconsin, um, we have to pass by a little town, you know, probably 500 people. And there's a pornography store right on Main Street. And uh, the billboards on the interstate uh, advertise a series of porn shops, and, and of course, with the Internet, you really don't have to go anywhere. It comes right to you. Well, exactly. I'm even surprised that there is a porn shop out there, since people shop yeah. for it on the Internet every day. Exactly. But those those uh, those brick-and-mortar businesses have the effect of normalizing something in a community um, that really should not be normalized. That's really, you know, and studies have shown, is detrimental to a community. I, 
I did a lot of public policy work in my former job, and mm-hmm. um, porn stores in a neighborhood drive down property values, they increase crime, and basically urban, uh, you know, wasteland that, that they run out legitimate businesses who don't want to be around there. So it's a real Dutch, like you can measure that in hard dollars in tax revenues lost and, and the property values, in addition, of course, to the moral and spiritual harm it does. Well, I know that uh, we as parents and grandparents uh, are concerned about our kids, but when you understand the statistics that have basically been active and true for a good 15, 20 years now, those statistics that I quoted as we opened the program concerning adults, uh, is it any wonder that our children are having a problem with pornography? No, it's not. And and I think we do need to look at ourselves, at the adult culture, because one of the things in my research over the past 20 years, uh, I was struck by a line by Dr. Judith Reisman, and she said, um, children are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, They're imitating the adult culture around them. (laughs) So when we look, you know, when we look at what kids are doing, uh, they're growing up in a culture that does virtually nothing except celebrate pornography in pop culture, movies, mm-hmm. music, you know, advertisements. And, and on the, on, at the same time, parents and churches are relatively silent. And so they're only getting one message. And that's why we, we call this a pornographic world. There's really one sexual viewpoint out there, and it's pornographic. A statement was made in your book, if we want to know what is most sacred in this world... All we need to do is look for what is most vilely profaned. And can you think of anything so degraded, distorted, twisted, and abused as sexuality? Apparently, Satan knows that sexuality is at the very heart of God's plan for his people, holy sexuality, and therefore he has attacked it with a vengeance, and it's not getting better, it's getting worse and to the unfortunate reality of this is that it's not just pornography that is being normalized. It's all kinds of sexual inappropriateness or, dare we say, sin that God has clearly called sin that is actually being approved from pulpit to pew. Yeah, and sadly that is the case. Uh, there's a great book uh, called uh, Sexual Morality in a Christless World by a pastor, Matthew Rieger. Mm-hmm. He wrote this a few years ago, and what he, he talked uh, about what um, you know, modern-day people might call sexual progressivism mm-hmm. is actually regressive. Yeah. It's going back to the time of, of, of Roman culture around the t- time of Christ mm-hmm. and the first-century church, and what you had was something very similar to what we're experiencing. There was sexual violence. There was predation on uh, children, on women, mm-hmm. um, and and the entire cultural ethos, if you will, was built on male sexual domination and power. And you see a return to this. You know, the whole Me Too movement, um, you know, despite its insufficiencies and problems, highlighted a huge problem in our culture that women are being preyed on. Yeah. Um, everywhere. Well, and the so, unfortunate thing is that many women are encouraging it and setting the stage for that culture to take place. 
Yeah, I mean, the woman. I hate to put it so bluntly, but uh, that that isn't the the politically correct thing to say these days. But that is the truth. Well, what what we see though is is young men, and this has happened since. Um, and you and I were talking earlier about Dr. Dobson serving on the Pornography Commission, yeah. and I worked with him for for a few years at Focus on the Family. Uh, you know, the problem is young men, including t- teenage guys, are the primary consumers of pornography. This has been the case before the internet. The, it, studies since the internet gained widespread use prove this to still be true. But what we're doing is we're raising a generation of young men and now increasingly young women to view pornography as real sex. And it is devoid of intimacy. It's devoid of compassion. Yeah. It's devoid of uh, any kind of decent treating of another person as a human being. So well, this is totally the characteristic of a synthetically authentic world, a pretense yeah. of the real. We'll be right back after this to talk more with Daniel Reese concerning this matter of pornography. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friends. It's conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And today, we're being exhorted to tread, not lightly, but boldly, through a pornographic world, and particularly with regard to our kids and our grandkids. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to really get into some of the nitty-gritty here. It's not just about statistics. It's about our spiritual life. It's about a relationship with Christ or the lack thereof. I'm wondering, what would be the eternal consequences of persisting in pornography? I'm just throwing that out, friend. It's a rhetorical question. What would be the eternal consequences to you of continuing or persisting in pornography? Just consider that as we move forward here today on Viewpoint with regard to our kids. I was a lawyer for 20 years, and before that for five years, or four years actually, I was in law school in the evening. One of the famous cases that came up during law school is one that most, uh, most lawyers would remember the phrase that came from it, and it had to do with pornography. The question to the Supreme Court Justice was, what is pornography? And his answer, I'll know it when I see it. That's what he said. I'll know it when I see it. He didn't attempt to give some legal definition for it. But how could he say he would know it when he see it, sees it when our guest today has just said that we've been engaged for the past 50 years in what you might call progressive sexuality or progressive pornography? In other words, that which was formerly pornographic or considered pornographic is now considered normal, is now considered acceptable. So how would we know whether something is porn or not? What do you say about that, Daniel? 
That's a great question. And uh, well, that's why I research, asked it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, Barna Research Group did a, a study a few years back, um, along with Covenant Eyes, and they found that people defined pornography very, very differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, what my co-author and I decided to do, we asked a counselor we trust, and and we believe his definition is is gets to the heart of the matter, kind of what Jesus was saying, and it's it's content produced or consumed with the intent of sexual arousal. All right. You know what the law says about that? It's if it caters to your purient interest. That's what the court said. If it caters to your purient interest, it's pornography. That's kind of what you said. (laughs) Yeah, and and it really, you know, it gets to what Jesus says. You know, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't say, don't look at a woman with desire. He says, don't look, look at a woman with lustful intent. And I think that's something that's really important for Christians to understand. We can appreciate someone's beauty without looking to appropriate it or uh, look at a woman or a man, for that matter, uh, at, in a sexually selfish way. So mm-hmm. we can appreciate the goodness of the body. We, now, most, I mean, we are sinners, so, you know, while it is Okay, you can appreciate people, beauty, it's, it's like you can appreciate birds, but you don't have to allow them to make a nest in your hair. <laughs> right, I mean, we have to, be, we have to understand our hearts, and, and, and we know from the Bible the heart is deceitfully wicked, who could know it? So we have to be aware that all of us are compromised in some way in our ability to see people rightly. And I say this, pornography is a problem. In our society, everyone deals with, and the example I give is, if you live in a factory town that's just churning out smoke day and night, mm-hmm. um, where, now if you live closer to the factory, you're going to inhale more pollutants than if you live on the outskirts. But all of us in that town will be dealing with it. And all of us will have some, some level of, of cough or, or impact. And pornography is like that. Even if you're not actively viewing it today, it is influencing you because it's influencing the people around you. It's influ- influencing the culture at large. So I think it's important for Christians to regain uh, a sense that the body is good, sex is good. Mm-hmm. God intended it to be a good thing that binds people, husband and wife, together for the creation of family and for mutual comfort and support. All of this has been twisted, and, and, our, and our goal as Christians is not to throw everything away and just shun and deny it's to to untwist with god's help what's been twisted by sin and by by the devil well that's true uh i think probably most people uh young people uh have first been exposed to pornography when they began to move into their teenage years maybe 12 13 years of age uh now perhaps 10 or 11 uh, because things have shall we say progressed or digressed so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember back uh, when I was, it was either 12 or 13, and I was riding my bicycle across a, uh, an empty field toward a small grocery store. And uh, I began to see all of these, uh, this torn up paper all over the field, uh, seemed to have pictures on it and so on. So I just stopped, I got off my bicycle and stopped to see what what this was 
Well, that was my first introduction to pornography. Now, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but I tell you, what I learned from that is those images, whether or not you can remember the specific image, is not the point. You remember there's something that burns into your mind, uh, into your being, uh, and it sets a stage for, what should we say? Let me see more of that. Let me see more of that. I remember when I was in uh, uh, shop class. They don't have those anymore, but uh, in junior high school, they should have them, but they don't. Uh, And I remember some of the guys, they were on the fringe. These were the guys that uh, were not known to be uh, righteous people, but they were always trying to pass around little comic books and things like that. And, uh, you know, get him in front of your face. And I remember seeing one of those one time, and that's exactly what it was. It was pornographic. And the, the interesting thing is that once you set your eyes on that, it sets the stage. You don't have to actually focus on it in particular for a long period of time. But it sets the stage for a kind of desire that is burned in the mind and heart through the, uh, shall we say, the hormones of a young man. And he has a choice then from then on. Am I going to yield to that seeming recurring interest or desire, that purient interest, or am I not? Isn't that really the issue? It's like all other sin. We either choose to yield or not. Well, we call this, uh, you know, pornography's big secret. And, and, and what you described that, the way it grabs a hold of a person. Um, you know, when we look back at Genesis uh, 1 and 2 and the creation story, especially in, in Genesis 2 when, when God created Eve and presented her to Adam, I mean, you see his expression. It's, oh my goodness, at last, uh-huh. here's someone for me. And you can almost see his, I mean, you can you read into those words a pure joy and a pure delight. And I emphasize that word pure, mm-hmm. because God has created us, you know, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and biochemically to, to bond to one another. That's mm-hmm. his design. Man and, and so, woman. Man and woman, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is pornography takes that, those neurochemicals and kind of hijacks them. And Mm -hmm. this is especially, this happens in adults, but it's especially harmful to kids because their brains are still developed. And so that's the thing for parents to understand is um, as our kids are growing into their teen years um, and, and, you know, tween years, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're more interested in in romance or uh, they have crushes and, and they're starting to ask questions and their bodies are changing. We have to understand for them to begin experiencing sexual feelings as a normal, healthy part of development. Right. But sexting pictures of yourself to your friends is not. No, it's not because it's been hijacked. It's been hijacked in our culture. Mm -hmm. But if we can help our, help our kids understand that, um, the feelings are a good part of God's design, but we have to be on guard. We have to steward these well. And so we point people, we point our kids especially to what's good, true, and beautiful mm-hmm. about God's plan. And then we, we highlight those um, 
those not variations, but the, the, what's been hijacked in the culture that's teaching lies about these things. Well, we know so, that the heart, as you said, is desperately wicked. Out of Jesus said, out of the heart flows all sin uh, from our mouths, the words of our mouth, the meditation of our hearts, and so on. So the Bible says that we are to guard our hearts with diligence. Guard your heart with diligence. How do we, if, if adults don't know how to guard their hearts with diligence, how are we going to teach our children to guard their hearts? Well, that's the thing. A lot of us need, um, I mean, a lot of adults, especially parents, they don't touch these issues. They don't talk about sex with their kids because they haven't fully reconciled their own sexual stories or their own past. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of us growing up did things we didn't, you know, we look back as Christians and later regret. Some of us still bear that regret and shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when that's not dealt with, it makes it really difficult to be open and honest with our kids about these things. And I think that's one of the primary reasons parents aren't more open um, and engaged with their kids on sexual issues. Uh, the kids want to learn about this stuff. And, and I believe that no matter how bad you, you might think you'd screw it up as a parent or how little you think you know, you are by far a better sex educator than the Internet is. You know, you are going to do a better job than the Internet is in teaching your kids the truth about these things despite your past. But if, but if it's something you're still working through, um, go to a pastor, go to a friend, go to a counselor if you need to, and work through some of this. Bring it out into the open in the light of Christ. And, and receive his love and forgiveness because God does not, he did not send Jesus to die on the cross to keep us enslaved. He sent us, he sent Jesus to set us free. And exactly. that's really what God wants for parents and for kids alike. And that's why this is a journey parents must go on with their kids and grandparents too, and educators and pastors and all others that are influential in kids' lives. All right. The Apostle Paul urged us to flee fornication. Fornication is pornea. That's the word from which we get the word pornography. Fornication, pornography is counterfeit or synthetic sex. It's taking sex and pretending that when you see, it's authentic. So it's pretending to authenticize that which is fake that which is not real, and therefore steal the very heart and substance of what God intended it to be. Well, that's what's happening. And Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's so important for Christians to hold out, first to reclaim, even as adults in the Church, to begin talking about the goodness of God's design. You know, we talk about... um, this desires are good, they're misplaced. So we understand the impact of sin on all of us. But to, re, to understand the goodness, and, and really to reclaim the kind of the, the, the marital imagery that the Bible uses really from start to finish. Right. Uh, that our sexuality, is marital sexuality, I want to be clear about that. Marital sexuality, godly marital sexuality, is a metaphor. It's an image of Christ love for the church, of God's love for his people. Mm-hmm. And so we see God, 
you know, and this is very explicit in some of the Old Testament. Prophets. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we are unfaithful, but God is faithful. And God is using something that is so common to human experience to communicate a spiritual truth to us. That's why we can't ignore sexual sin or, or minimize the impact of pornography and other licentiousness in the culture, because it's actually obscuring one of the ways people can understand God, that there's a love that's intense, that's faithful, that's fruitful, it's total, it's complete. I mean, this is what Jesus shows us on the cross, and we don't sexualize Jesus' love, that's not what it was, mm-hmm. but it was an intimacy far greater than even our deepest intimacy as humans can be. He's trying to show us something greater than we can experience. And that's why he calls it... Go ahead. Yeah. But if we obscure that image, whether inside the church or outside the church, we'll not understand that higher love God is calling us to and, and, and yearns to experience with us. That's right. We'll be right back after this break, friends, to talk about this matter of pornography The wonderful book, Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World, $15 on our website, saveus.org. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. What a blessing it is to uh, join you here again on Viewpoint to talk about the issues that really matter to God in our hearts, in our homes, in our ways, our lives. Our special guest today, Daniel Weiss, with his book, Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World. Again, that book is available on our website as a tool for you to assist you as a parent, as a grandparent, in dealing with this subject. Uh, I don't know about you, but I had three daughters, and I have ten grandchildren, and uh, one great-grandchild, and I'm, I, I tell you, uh, these things are very uh, of great concern to me, to my wife, and uh, they should be of great concern to you as well. Here is a tool to help you. $15 on our website, saveus.org, treading boldly through a pornographic world. The uh, website is saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. The heart of the matter is always the heart. The heart of the matter is always the heart. And that's what God is after. Oftentimes, we tend to focus primarily on behavior. The behavior is the symptom of what's going on in the heart. Because the issue is the heart. So, 
The writer of the Psalms, 139, says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Right now, as you're listening, would you dare to pray, to just cry out to God, even quietly, in your car, in your home, wherever you happen to be? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. You see, when we come at this with regard to our hearts, then our homes can become in line because the heart of the home is the heart. And we can deal with behavior all we want. And we can instruct our kids about behavior. But we first need to get to their hearts. They need to know that they need to present their bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable to God. Not to you, but to God. Hmm. Maybe that's where we need to start, Daniel. Well, I think that's one of the key issues, and I, uh, you stated it so well. Um, there's There was a book I read recently by James Smith, and the simple title was You Are What You Love, and it was all about... Um, how we try to change culture or change ourselves through through more information. Mm-hmm. But what's really needed is a heart transformation. Absolutely. So, You've been listening to this program. You must have been listening <laughs> because we say continually, we're not here about information. We're here for transformation. And the difference between the two, the bridge between the two is application. And that's what almost never happens in the church. Yeah. And I would add one more. Uh, incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, the incarnation of Christ is a key part of this because sure. I think for, for parents especially, and, and again, for, for a topic as full of shame and embarrassment and, and hiddenness as pornography, to be incarnational with our kids or with the kids in your lives, to not to just preach at them or moralize whether the message is right or not, but to walk with them the way Jesus walked the earth among the people for three years. Uh, that's really, it's the relational aspect that's going to help our kids move beyond the kind of the online enticements and what they're experiencing in uh, their schools and their, their peer groups. It's, it's adults that care, um, and certainly, hopefully, other kids that care and walk with them as well, good, good friends. Well, but in order it, to walk in righteousness, you have to be righteous. And righteousness alone exalts a nation. So if we want to find out what has happened to our nation, all we have to do is look at ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) Righteousness is the habitation of God's throne. And righteousness is right waysness according to God's word. You know, I had a situation uh, a few years ago. Uh, I've been involved with the prayer movement uh, throughout the country and even in our the birthplace of America here, Richmond, Virginia. And one day, as I was heading toward a pastor's prayer breakfast, I asked the Lord specifically, I talked to him like this in just simple little terms. I said, Lord, why don't we have revival in our country and revival in our city 
after all of these prayers for 30, 40, 50 years now? And he answered me immediately, Daniel. He said, my pastors are not preaching righteousness. Mm. So as I was contemplating that in the instant, and he said, and that's why your that's why my church has no authority in your country because you're not living righteously so i got to the prayer gathering and we had our usual you know coffee time and fellowship and so on before we got down to business and uh, so i was sharing this little interlude with the lord with one of the prominent pastors in our city pastor of a large evangelical church that had its roots in the holiness movement back in the late 1800s. Mm-hmm. And when I said, my pastors are not preaching righteousness, he hung his head and he said, Chuck, I don't think I even know how to preach righteousness. I want you to think about that. That was the pastor of a large evangelical trusted even uh, church in our region. I don't think I even know how to preach righteousness. I think that's our problem. I think our problem well, is we have forsaken the very concept of righteousness, which is the root of holiness. What say you? Well, I liked how you said it earlier. Right, righteousness is right wayness, mm-hmm. and and. When we're talking about sexuality or pornography, I think churches are uh, shamefully silent on this. And, and the problem, you know, the, the, the concern I have with that is that there are many, but but the real telling point is that the Bible is full. <laughs> it is chock full of teaching on sexuality. Well, okay, but not... how how can a pastor or a parachurch leader or a, uh, a youth leader or even a parent lead their child in holy sexuality when they themselves are living totally contrary behind the scenes and in private. They have no authority. No, there's no moral authority to speak. I think that's part of our problem. Yeah, I think you're right. But, but at some point, um, you know, we actually did some research, um, as a ministry a few years back with Mm -hmm. Barna group, and we didn't release all these, results publicly. Some of them we have. But what we found was we asked pastors if they had looked at pornography in the past year. Mm-hmm. And the number that responded yes, it was 42% of, of male pastors had done that. Mm. And so that's a pretty high number. But well, what, it is. We also found, what we also found was when we were asking, we asked all kinds of questions, and the, the pastors that were actually talking about sexual issues and we're dealing with, you know, kind of helping people deal with sexual issues in their congregations. We're also the pastors that had a bit of a struggle with it. It was the pastors that had not looked at pornography that were doing virtually nothing in their mm. churches. Hmm. And I think that flips the narrative a little bit on its head, because I think the pastors with the struggle, we can, we can be alarmed by that or saddened or, you know, burdened that they're okay. having the struggle. But they were also sensitized to the real problem. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. That's yeah, a very good point. So I think we have to speak as a church. Uh, I think we have to speak the truth, whether 
we're struggling with sin or not, and, and it's not to excuse it in any way. Mm-hmm. But if we understand, we, we my co-author and I borrowed this 3D approach, and we added a fourth, but 3D approach to, here's a simple way to talk about it. You can talk about desire, so mm-hmm. people's desires, right. good things taken, um, but desire shows us design. So our desires actually are ways of going back to understanding God's design for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we look at our desires and our design in light of sin, that we call detour, that's the third D. So sin has um, kind of waylaid us and taken us off course. But it doesn't make desire and design inherently wrong. It means it's been corrupted. But the final D is destiny. And that's that that image of God's love. And so I think just using these simple desire, design, detour, and destiny approach is we can catechize or disciple the church again. All right. Um, it's not like everyone's afraid of talking about sex in the church, but you don't have to talk about the sexual act. You can talk about God's plan, that right ways in this, mm-hmm. that righteousness of what he has designed us for. And I think that identity as male and female, that call into the one flesh union of marriage, mm-hmm. uh, that's really what's getting obscured in our culture today uh, with, with transgenderism and all this stuff. It's our identity is so confused. The church needs yeah. to be a, a, a clarion call here. Well, the latest, of course, coming out yesterday from Cambridge was uh, the encouragement and support for bestiality. That's the next step. So we can see how far this is going. Uh, this is not progression, it's regression. And regression. Uh, back to pure paganism. Uh, do, you have, do you have children? I do. I have five children. Okay, what are their ages? Uh, 15 oh. down to 8. Oh, wow. You, <laughs> you and your wife have been very active. You've been well, obedient. We... <laughs> we, yeah, and we're in the thick of it. We've got uh, three teens now, and um, wow, so, yeah. All right, brother, you need to build an ark. You need to save <laughs> your sons and daughters. Build an ark. Now, my question to you is then: seeing that you have uh, uh, such a challenge before you, when we get back from this break, can you share with us how you are dealing with these issues with your uh, children? We'll be right back after this, friends. The book, Treading Boldly Through a Pornographic World, $15 on our website, saveus.org. What a help that would be. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church.
If you have a computer, you have a potential porn problem. If you have a notebook, you have a potential porn problem. If you have a cell phone, you have a potential porn problem. Why? Because every day and in every way, you're being challenged and seduced to click on this, that, or the other, an image, a word that's designed to attach your purient interest, whether man or woman. And the same is true for our kids. Today on Viewpoint with our special guest, Daniel Weiss. Uh, how do you pronounce your name? Weiss? 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 Yeah. Weiss, Weiss in America, Weiss in the old country. I all guess. right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Edelweiss. Okay. Uh, Daniel Weiss. I, you know, that always bothers me because it sounds too much like V-I-C-E. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to accuse you of that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you you have five children. Uh, I grew up in a home of five children, a pastor's home, and I do not recall being aware of a pornography issue. Now, it might have been there with uh, a couple of my brothers who were younger than I. I never heard of it, uh, and I never had a pornography problem other than what I just shared with you. So... Uh, how are you dealing with this now in this world in which we live? Yeah, it's it's quite a bit different. Um, oh yeah, you told you told your story. I was I was exposed to uh, magazine pornography when I was seven, so pretty. pretty oh my young goodness! Age. And it it was at a friend's house, and his father had a subscription to Playboy magazine, and uh-huh. um, I you know every time I went over there, I would sneak a peek. And so you were boys, and since it said Playboy, you thought, okay, well, this is for boys. Well, it it was, again, (laughs) it was something that we didn't understand at the age of seven. That's the problem, is you don't understand it, and there's no context for it. And so it became something shameful and hidden Mm. um, back in those early days. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, you were asking me, well, how do I deal with this now as, as a father uh, in this age. And one of the things that, you know, having worked on pornography issues uh, for almost 20 years now professionally, mm-hmm. I knew um, to start young. Wait a minute. You said you're a professional my... pornographer? No. <laughs> oh, no, did not say that. Oh, okay. uh, I have I'm just clarifying. A... <laughs> <laughs> my, my first job uh, on this topic was as media and sexuality analyst. And I, uh-huh. and I asked for the title change because, uh, I knew dealing with pornography. I didn't want pornography analysts on my business card. You know, I mm-hmm. tell my mother what I did. Right. That. Uh, <laughs> but so I've been working on this since 2002, uh, first with Focus on the Family and then with other nonprofit ministries, mm-hmm. uh, Christian ministries. But um, to start young, and, I, and when I someone said, well, how young should I start? As soon as your children understand language, you should start. And you should start in ways that aren't explicit, but mm-hmm. in ways that are natural to that age. So you teach your children the names of their body parts as you're bathing them or changing a diaper. You, you teach your kids how to keep their bodies clean mm-hmm. and take care of their bodies. Now, this has nothing to do with uh, sexual intercourse or sexuality right. per se, but it has everything to do with normalizing the goodness of the body, teaching them the proper care and respect to the body. And that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that this is God's special gift to you. Yeah. 
and so it, as as the kids well now I grew up on a farm and and after uh, sometime my family and I moved from Colorado back to Wisconsin and we ended up um, living back on the family farm and so uh, we had cattle. Uh, my father was still farming, and so the kids saw the cattle doing what animals do. Mm-hmm. And I remember one, my four-year-old daughter said, "Papa, those cows are stacking." Um, <laughs> so I got to explain what stacking meant um, in a way that a four-year-old would understand. Mm-hmm. And the point, the point of that story, and the point of starting young is a couple of things: you're you are teaching correct information before they're getting misinformation or lies. You're also establishing a relational bond of trust, and, and you're a good source of information. And you really want that if you if you're starting out and you have young kids. Um, that's those are the important parts. But if you haven't done this yet, you know, starting now, just say, "Hey, I heard this radio show today, and it made me think. I haven't talked about some really important issues with you. Can we sit aside a time and talk and just find out what your kids know." Find out what they're hearing at school, mm-hmm. and you're going to find probably a lot of Christian kids. Um, if you know if they're if they trust you and open up, maybe some of them have already seen pornography, or maybe they're hearing their friends at school, even Christian schools, talk about yeah. this. You know, it would almost be uh, shocking if a 13 to 15 year old didn't know what pornography was and hadn't seen it. Is that pervasive? It, it is, and, and uh, there was a British study that came out in 2019 where they asked, interviewed both teenagers and parents, and uh, 75% of the parents interviewed believed their teenage kids had not seen online pornography. Okay, 75% said, "No, my kids haven't seen it." Unbelievable. Of the 75, of the 75% parents, fully 50% of the kids in those families had already seen it. So half of those parents. Um, I, I don't want to say naive, but, but they were probably naive in thinking their kids hadn't been exposed. And, and that's the thing. It's not, don't ask yourself whether your kid is the kind of kid who would go looking for pornography. <laughs> if your kid was made in the image of God and he has the, the requisite equipment and hormones, yes, he is the kind of kid. Well, but the other thing to realize is pornography is not the kind of material that respects your family's values. No, it does it is not. Act actively seeking to be found um, by by kids, especially, and this is well documented in the research and the literature that pornographers go out of their way to ensnare even young kids with um, you know URLs that are misspellings of popular toys and things like that. Mm-hmm. So. It, we cannot afford to be naive as parents and, and, and grandparents too, as they have influence. But to understand this is a real issue, and that's why we have to attack it. All right, now totally. you you have uh, some teenagers. You have three teenagers. How are you dealing with your teenagers? You know, my oldest is is very, uh, I guess, precocious. She's from a young age has always wanted to know things. So we've had very open frank discussions about sex, about pornography, about sex trafficking even, mm. um, and that was when she was 13 or 14. Wow. Um, she was able to handle it. My my other girls uh, didn't want to go that deep yet, so we didn't go mm-hmm. that deep. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's an example of, of, you have to understand this is a steady drip of information, not a one-time one right. talk. Yeah, it's not, don't, give don't, them the talk and that's it. Right, but we were, we just returned from a family vacation 
and we were out west. Um, we were in uh, uh, we had stopped in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, for a night. And we're walking around downtown, and we stopped in this kind of cool-looking bookstore. And I'm looking at something, and my kids come up, Dad. There's inappropriate stuff here, All right? This is the 14-year-old and the and the 11-year-old. Dad, mm-hmm. there's instead of stuffed animals, they had stuffed sexual organs oh, with inappropriate phrases. And wow. I didn't know that walking in, but you know, so we left the store. But but what told me what was really impressed it, it was it impressed me is my kids said, Dad, this is inappropriate. We don't want to be here. Isn't so they had great? learned the truth. They had been learning the truth. They had respect for things. And my kids, they joke around about body parts and things like other kids do, but but they knew something really inappropriate when they saw it, and, and we, you know, demonstrated we got out of there. Yeah. So uh, that's the steady drip approach, is, mm-hmm. is, is make it normal. And, and they, they did, I did not tell them that was inappropriate. They knew it in their hearts because they had been, they had been taught about the goodness mm-hmm. and the truth and the beauty, and they saw the counterfeit and yeah. did not like it. Well, uh, you know, about 10 years ago, Time Magazine uh, had a cover story called uh, 10 Ideas That Are Changing the World. Number seven of those ideas was called Synthetic Authenticity. I want mm-hmm. to try, try to get your mind around that, Synthetic Authenticity, but it was being promoted by a Harvard business guru who said, was was teaching businesses, don't provide the real thing. People aren't willing to pay for it anyway. Just give them a pretense of it. Give them the feeling that they have it, not the real thing. And uh, I thought, you know what? That's what's happened in our churches. Mm-hmm. We're giving a pretense of the real thing. We're not giving the real thing. And... Uh, with regard to pornography, it's a pretense of the real thing. It's synthetic authenticity. It's not authentic at all, but it lives you the feeling that it's authentic, and that's where it takes us astray and distorts and destroys the beauty of everything that God created. That's so well put, and, and that's one, one of the values of this young generation is authenticity. And that's why parents need to be authentic, whether they've struggled or not. Uh, they don't have to tell details, mm-hmm. but there's brokenness in most of our past, and, and our kids respect and they actually learn to trust us when we're authentic with them. And, mm-hmm. and they will be, they will, and part of the reason they're so impressed with real authenticity is because they've grown up in this plastic, uh, synthetic world, and mm-hmm. they, they know the difference. Yeah. So we re- this is not a fearful time. I mean, it could be. But I see this as a hopeful time for, for America's parents, for Christian parents, because we have so much to offer our kids, and not mm-hmm. only our kids, but the kids that our kids are influencing in their own spheres of uh, friends and, and sports and things like that. So I, that's, you know, we go boldly because of Christ and what he's done right. and the message he has, not because of our own, um, you know, feelings of worth or because we feel we have it all together. No parent has it all together. We go forward with Christ, and that's why we can be bold. Well, that's why you titled your book Treading Boldly uh, Through a Pornographic World. The pornographic world uh, is not uh, an easy place for the message of Christ. On the other hand, the message of Christ is what uh, shines the light on that which is wickedness and evil. For many years, I'd say about 10 years or so, 
uh, a song made its way across uh, the country in our churches. It went like this, holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness, holiness is what I need. On the other hand, what I have seen since I've been doing this radio program now for 26 years, since we formed Save America Ministries 28 years ago, since I've been involved as a pastor for 40 years, what I have seen is holiness isn't really what we long for. Not really. It's a word we know that it's important, but if we really longed for it, things would be different, wouldn't they? I mean, when Paul said, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, he wasn't kidding, and it wasn't a suggestion. So why is it that we are so reluctant to preach righteousness and holiness in God's house? You know, again, it's a great question, probably not an easy answer, but I would, I would submit this. Um, somewhere the Church missed the beat. You know, it, it took a misstep, and it stopped being... Um, real in addressing the needs of the culture. Well, it started the with the church synergy. growth movement in the 1970s. It metastasized into the seeker-sensitive movement in the 1980s and 90s, and now it's in the emerging church movement. And with every progressive digression from the heart of the gospel and the preaching of righteousness and holiness, we have become ever less holy. Well, one of the things we're going to have to do as a church to move forward and to move beyond this is, is we need to make the church safe for sinners again. And what I mean is, uh, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said the final obstacle to true Christian fellowship is the inability to be sinners together. And in no way was he excusing sin, but he's saying everyone acts piously. Mm-hmm. You know, they wear their Sunday best, so to speak. Right. But they're, they're not able to bring their full hearts. And that's exactly what God mm. calls us to do when we come to the altar. Yeah. When well, we, you're right. You the know? heart of the matter is the heart, and that's yep. that's where it is, and that's how we've got to deal with our kids. Uh, day after day, line after line, precept after precept, here a little and there a little. Treading Boldly, that's the title of the book, Through a Pornographic World. $15 will put it in your hands. It's a field guide for parents and grandparents. Uh, it's on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, and become a partner, friends. Many of you are doing that. We appreciate that so much. Keep the good work up, and let's uh, raise our children to honor the Lord. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home. You still want-